0: Welcome to RNBC Life's annual We Remember episode. We've invited our listeners to share the names and stories of the people they've loved and who've died from NBC over these past 12 months. We also have a very special interview with Dr. Andrew Silver, widower of the poet Anya Krokovi silver who died of NBC in 2018. Andrew speaks to us about her posthumous publication of her last book of poetry, St. Agnostica, and we have our friend Abigail Johnson do a selected reading for us. We also hear from Lauren Harkum, the daughter of our beloved co-host Shante Randall, who died last November. This is the section where we all can say the kids are going to be all right. Worrying about our children and other family members and how they will do after we're gone is always the most critical source of concern for so many of us. Lauren lets us know that she's doing okay and her mom is part of her daily world. I'm joined with co-host Natalia Green as we lift up this prayer of sorts to all of you. We remember, we bear witness to what a single name represents – the joys, the trials, the mundane, the magnificent. Our lives are these messy, complex things, and we often don't get to finish what we want to. No one ever does. But we carry these people in our hearts, even as we put out the garbage and make our dinner and finish up that laundry. We keep on living, even as we learn to live with the ongoing grief of our own lives and the lives of the friends and loved ones who've died from NBC. This is a disease without a cure, and so we at this podcast keep on truckin' to advocate and lift up the voices that need to be heard so that not one of these beautiful souls are forgotten, ever.
1: Our first guest is Lauren Harkham, the daughter of one of the original co-hosts of RNBC Life, Shantae Randall. You know, Shantae is the reason I'm part of this podcast, and like many others, she left an everlasting impact in my life. As you'll hear from Lauren, Shantae worked hard and with a lot of passion. In fact, she worked up until the week she died and left us with lots of inspiration to keep going. Here's Lauren.
2: My name is Lauren Harkum. My mom was Shantae Randall. She died November 12th of 2020. And the thing I most remember about her is her hugs. I would describe her as someone who takes life by stride, as someone who finds the good in the bad and who focuses on the good. My mom was somebody who not only was reliable and dependable, but she wanted to help even in her darkest moments, she was always looking to encourage someone else. She took her hardships and she turned them into an inspirational story. She found a way to involve herself in organizations, in programs, in joining podcasts, in all of those things to try to spread awareness, to encourage people who were just diagnosed. I am in a sorority. She even actually volunteered to come out and do awareness presentation for my sorority. So always looking for a way to have outreach in the community, and especially for those in the younger generations. Me and my mom, we had a lot of candid conversations about breast cancer, and then her metastatic breast cancer diagnosis. My major in college was biomedical sciences. So at the time of her diagnosis, I think in human anatomy and physiology is when we got to the cancer unit. So I was aware of what was going on a molecular level. And I think that's what was the most frightening thing, but the most comforting thing to know. My mom and I were able to really discuss what was happening from that standpoint. And then with her metastatic diagnosis, we got even more candid about things, like nothing was off the table. We planned for her funeral on the Tuesday, randomly when everything was fine it was sunny outside and and she had strength and energy and she just had gotten done her chemo treatments everything was fine and we just decided you know what it's not an if but a win so that's how we handled it in a very here's what's happening here's the truth about things and I think she only ever hid her updates from her doctors when I had an exam Like that's the only time because she knew I would want to know everything about what the doctor said instead of focusing on studying. But as soon as I told her I'm done with my exam, she told me, okay, here's the update. And she would send me all of the paperwork so I could read it. And then if I had any questions, she gave me the the number to her actual doctor. So I could call the doctor and ask and all those things. Because I was in school six hours away, she would FaceTime me into her doctor's appointments so I could be on the phone and ask questions in real time. And my mom did that a lot, especially as chemo started to affect her cognitive function and her memory. She had me listen in and write down things. So if she if she wasn't able to remember, she knew I would have the information for her. She was cremated, so I have her urn. So I'll be in the living room and I'll have turned on our favorite TV show together. And I'll just sit the urn on the couch. And in my friend group, I'm not the only person who has a parent that they have lost. So we all do something similar. Where I have a friend whose dad passed, and she puts his obituary next to her and just watch a TV with him. So that's what we do to like self soothe and comfort. Because me and my mom, we watched on TV together endlessly. We started a TV show, I want to say four days before she started getting super, super sick, and I still finished it. Like, so there's things I'm still not quite able to do. I think we were watching The Mandalorian and I hadn't finished The Mandalorian yet. Like I tried and I was like, I can't finish it yet. I'm not there yet. So it's it's a process. There are better days than there have been, but it's definitely a process. My, my mom was not just a mom. She was my best friend. So we did everything together. She's the reason I love to read. She's the reason I have the personality I have people say I am her carbon copy through and through my mom encouraged me to go after every dream I've ever had. And she set up a plan for me to get to where I need to be at. She pushed me through college even when I really thought I wasn't going to finish. She pushed me through, kept me looking at the positive end results and saying things are temporary and the finish line is near. And I hold that with me in everything even when I'm having like a bad day. I would say to my mom that I'm trying my best and I'm working our plan and hope that she is proud of me.
0: In addition, this past year, we lost a beloved member of our extended podcast team. Laura Nelson died of NBC just two days after her birthday on August 20th, 2021. Laura, by all accounts, was the kindest, most generous friend you would want on any adventure. She was a dedicated mom to her two kids and a loving partner to her husband, Jim Kremens. As an accomplished communications executive and PR expert, she volunteered her time with us here at the pod to help get our message out there so that we could find our listeners. You know, when you work with someone who is wicked smart and yet just exudes grace and patience, it is no surprise that people who had the privilege of working with her professionally tell countless stories of her skill with the spoken and written word. They also talk about her kindness. Her family included the many dear friends who then became part of her chosen family. She was that cool, understated friend you could call for advice, and her advice was the best around. We miss you, Laura.
3: Hi, my name is Frank Pecorelli, and my wife, Pamela Dieter Pecorelli, died from metastatic breast cancer in April. I want to share with you what I shared with our family and friends, during her memorial service. Part of my eulogy included a poem by Ralph Waldo Emerson, a poem which I believed exemplified Pam. When I was a teenager, I saw this poem in a newspaper. This poem struck me so much that I cut it out and put it in my wallet. I carry it with me to this day. It reads, to laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded, Ralph Waldo Emerson. You know, people say that a person who passes away from cancer fought a great fight but lost the battle. I disagree. I believe it is how a person lived their life that proved she won. I'm here to tell you that Pam won her battle by a knockout. Pam did not shy away from the fight. She was a warrior. She won by how she lived every day. She won by how she battled every day, by how she did not let this disease define her or change who she was. She won by how she loved her family and friends. She won because of her grace, her kindness, and courage. She took the fight to metastatic breast cancer by volunteering to help other women who had been diagnosed with this disease. She lived her best life knowing exactly what she was facing. She was, by all measures, a success. Thank you.
0: Here's Emily Veach with her remembrance. So thank you for doing this, here we go jerry lynn cohen
4: hillary flynn ananta sudakar patty lou nina reed linda spence angela Lai lita diederich love you hi this is abigail johnston and I want to remember Allison Tischler today. Allison and I put together the NBC Grieving Together project, and Allison really had a vision for what we needed to do in order to help our community grieve all the people that we've lost. And now we're grieving her. We lost her in March of 2021 to NBC. And I'll, I'll never forget the call that she placed to me about two days before she ended up passing away. And she was calling to say goodbye. And that's exactly what she said. She had reached the end of the treatment that was available for her and she was not happy about it but she was resigned and wanted to reach out to those people that she cared about (sighs) and i know that i will carry a piece of her uh, with me and i know that so long as we remember each other that our legacy will never end but the world is poorer for allison not being in it
0: There are members of our extended NBC family who continue to show up and bear witness to the beauty of our community and to the pain and grief that we all live with. Dr. Andrew Silver is one of those people. Dr. Silver, originally from New York, earned his B.A. in religion with a minor in English from George Washington University and a Ph.D. in English from Emory University. He now teaches literature at Mercer University and is a playwright. But Dr. Silver, known as Andrew to so many of us, is also the widower of the renowned poet and NBC advocate Anya Krukovi-Silver, who died of NBC in 2018. Andrew is father to Noah, his son with Anya, and he currently lives in Macon, Georgia. He took his grief and has poured it into the creation of For the Play, which merges the writings of Anya Krokovi-Silver with blog posts from Beth Caldwell and interviews with many individuals living with NBC. The result is a searing account of the pain and the grief that accompanies life while living with NBC. The play has been presented in a series of workshops and has been filmed all over the United States to include the most wide-ranging representation of the NBC community. The film will be edited and released in 2022 and 2023. In addition, Andrew is dedicated to the promotion of Anya's latest book of poetry, Saint Agnostica, that has just recently been published by LSU Press. This new book includes poems written the week that she died. Here's Dr. Andrew Silver.
5: There are two things. The play is very important to me, but I really want to talk about the Saint Agnostica book. The Book of Poetry has been published. I want to make sure that it gets in as many hands as possible. She wrote in one of her journals, through her writing, she doesn't die, but that's only the case if people read. And I think this is an important book She's a person who's writing from a perspective of faith, whose faith was renewed by her cancer diagnosis and then challenged, changed, transformed by the metastatic uh, diagnosis. The title Saint Agnostica is this split between her doubt and her kind of lingering belief. But those doubts were very real and the struggle that she had in terms of how do I make sense of suffering and God's place in suffering. And the conclusions that she came to were really disturbing sometimes. And and yet the dialogue that she has with within spirituality continued up until the last week of her life. That to me is another kind of central sort of theme of the book and then also just i think of the book as this is a bad comparison but there are people like uh, primo levy who who wrote uh, survival at auschwitz who face the unimaginable without flinching and as a witness to the dizzying diversity of terminal illness And she got a look at this for eight years. She was eight years metastatic. And uh, there's triumph in this book. There's darkest despair in the book. There's a kind of resilience in the book. I think this is an important, I'm an English professor, and and I actually think this is an important witness and an important piece of art that needs to be uh, read. It needs to be studied. It needs to be shared. Because I think it's a glimpse through this incredible artist into a world that's not understood by most people, even people who are the spouses and children and friends of people who have a terminal or a chronic uh, illness. She wrote these two poems the week that she died. She wrote this very angry poem with this kind of righteous rage on behalf of another person who died, actually, of Mm -hmm. metastatic breast cancer. One of her close friends, Kiwana, Hayden. And and she came downstairs and she said, I've just written a really angry poem. And I think that the people that I, in in the poetry world that I talk to, feel like it's one of her best poems. Ilya Kaminsky is a nationally recognized poet. When he read the poem, he said, What are the rest of us even doing? It's a a deeply moving, powerful piece of writing.
0: Here's Abigail Johnson reading Anya Krokovy Silver's poem, Unfinished unfinished Friday night you checked into the
6: hospital the next Thursday you died I'll never know exactly why and there's no one to ask your grieving husband your mother cancer threw you down gasping and clammy I heave at the news that you're gone a friend tells me your work on earth was finished God took you home to be whole be at peace she tells me seek but you were not finished You still had books you meant to read, shows to watch, beads to string with your chemo-numbed fingers. Not knowing you, my mother bought me a painting of a Gullah woman named Emma. turbaned. the background hue mustard yellow, your favorite. You were determined to go to South Carolina, you told me, for a Gullah festival. That too never happened. The painting my mother pointed out is unfinished. The woman's body reduced in the bottom right corner to mere stripes of paint and penciled outline, I'm glad it's incomplete. In your last message to me, you said you were going to nap, and I wrote, okay, sleep well, I love you. And you wrote, I'll talk to you tomorrow, love you too. And then everything, always, unfinished. Hi,
7: my name is Sheila McLeod, and today I would like to honor my good friend, Latanya Williams. She was such a beautiful person. She enjoyed life. She was a veteran like I was. And ultimately, she passed away from metastatic breast cancer. She was actually a three-time cancer survivor. I truly miss her, and she was just a fun person to be around. And I met her at the Broad Institute when we went to talk to the researchers about the metastatic breast cancer project and she was just a joy to be around we made a video we were rapping and she was just a blessing to be around she had that country slang and she was just a beautiful person so today Latanya, i'm honoring you i know you are listening from heaven and girl i miss you and i love you
8: here's martha carlson Hi, Our NBC Life. I'm calling in to remember my friend, Catherine O'Brien, who died earlier this year. Catherine is well-known in the metastatic breast cancer community. She was a powerful writer, a powerful communicator in any way that she chose to communicate. I was at her presentation when she was on a panel at the SABCS in 2019 when it was so clear that her humor was a way to bring people to the idea that we aren't getting enough if we are talking about NBC. We aren't getting enough attention for our treatments, for our side effects, in terms of research money. She wasn't afraid to say what needed to be said. I am lucky that I lived in a town just one town over from her. I could ride my bike over to her apartment if I felt like it. She welcomed me into the community of NBC advocacy, or really more. Truthfully, she pushed me into the world of NBC advocacy and over the years have watched her do similar with so many advocates. She wanted to bring people together to make things better. In the Chicago and Illinois area, if you were involved in breast cancer advocacy, you knew Catherine O'Brien and you wanted her involved. She was a voice and a knowledgeable presence when it came to talking about the gaps in care in Chicago. She didn't want people who weren't getting the correct care to continue in that path she wanted to draw attention to shortcomings of all types because i lived so close to her and probably also because we were similar in age in professional background i often tagged along with her at conferences and continue to feel immense gratitude for that opportunity because her running commentary about what people were saying as they presented their information informed me so much. She was quick to spot shortcomings, equally quick to spot the positives in in a presentation, the promise of particular research. She believed that people were doing their best, but also that they and that we could still do better Her humor just made it so much fun to be around her. She didn't hesitate to talk about aspects of life with NBC that a lot of us sort of circle around, and it was eye-opening to me and also just treasured opportunity to see how you can communicate important topics and do it in a way that doesn't drive people away but brings people in because she lived so long with metastatic breast cancer she had lost so many friends and I know some of her closest friends and she would talk about them she would mention their names regularly and I know now having lost Catherine and other very Uh, dear friends to NBC, I know now how hard that must have been for her, how hard it must have been to continue to reach out to new advocates, to continue to throw herself into the world of NBC when progress is so slow, when she probably saw that she was going to run out of treatments way too soon. I, I miss her so much. And I learned so much from her, and I just, I love her to this day.
0: Here's Vesna Vicote with her remembrance.
7: Samantha Price Mitchell is the founder and visionary of Turning the Page on Cancer, an annual campaign in its third year aimed at increasing the visibility of MBC during Breast Cancer Awareness Month and raising funds for MBC-related research advocacy, and support. It combined her lifelong love of reading with her commitment to advocacy seamlessly. Even through the harshest of treatments as her health was failing, Sam dedicated her time and energy into making this fundraiser as successful as possible. I feel fortunate to have been asked by Sam to work together on her legacy project and thankful for all she's done for the MBC community. Sam passed away on July 4, 2021, at the age of 30 years. She's remembered with love by all who knew her.
1: Here's Shoni Brown with her remembrance.
7: I would like to send a remembrance for my friend and my sister, Teresa Mercano. You are always in my heart, and I will never stop loving you.
0: Here's Abigail Johnson again, reading Anya Krukovi-Silver's poem, Metastatic. Metastatic. I'd like a long braid to lasso my rage
6: away, to stand on a stage in a garter belt and thigh-high boots and stamp my feet through the floor. Like to put my face right up against someone else's face and scream until the scream knocks me to my knees, coughing. I could become an arsonist. Delicious click of the lighter. Every time someone I love dies, I'd like a diamond to line the hilt of a dagger or tip an arrow. I'd like to shoot the whole goddamn universe through its infinite starry center and watch it suck into itself, scattering the suns and galaxies over each other like a jar of tipped glitter. Don't tell me not to be angry. Do you know how close I am to flinging my whole body at you? How little I care about being hit back or spat on or bruised? Humiliation means nothing to me. I have nothing to lose. If you push me off a building, I'll sing. I'd jump in front of a bullet if I could. I'd let someone wring my neck if only I knew it would hurt God just one bit to watch me die.
1: This is Allie Anderson with her Remembrance.
9: This is for the Remembrance episode. I had, I guess what you would call a second mother, but she was really like a first mother in a way, because she was one of the first maternal figures in my life who really made me understand what maternal love was. I was 11 years old, and um, we moved in across the street, and... She made me feel like I was special, like I was wanted, like I had goodness inside of me. And when I was in college, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she made it to her five-year mark. And then after that, she continued to get it until it was metastatic. And she lived with metastatic breast cancer for a very long time. I'm 50 years old now, and she died in 2016. So I was 45. So she lived with it for 25 years. And I learned so much from not only about love and life and so many other things, but I remember at her funeral, she was Jewish. And the um, rabbi said that the word that kept coming to him when he was talking to family and friends about her was a Hebrew word that is, I think, lev." which means like to see into someone and and that's what arlene she made you feel like she was seeing into you and in return you could see into her if you were close enough to her and it was very painful to lose her just recently last month i made the trek to go back to sit by her grave and thank her for everything that she had given me feels like it was yesterday when I was there to toss my handful of dirt onto her coffin. And I wish that some of the things that I've learned now from the breast cancer community, I knew then when she was um, battling because I would have been a better friend to her. But anyway, I think about her all the time and she lives inside of me and helped me to be who I am. And I'm so grateful that my time on this planet was graced by her presence.
1: Names and Remembrance, read by Miranda Gonzalez.
10: Matt Bowman. Ken Nash. Amanda Iglesias. Caitlin Cosma. Erica Griffiths. Amanda Raffinode, MBC Thriver, friend of Amanda Good, who passed April 20th, 2021. I met Amanda through our mutual friend, Aubrey. It was right after I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer and Aubrey connected us. Amanda also had MBC and was a couple years ahead of me on the journey. What drew me to her was her face. We spoke the same grief language around MBC. She reminded me that although we don't always get the healing we want, God is with us. Yes, so true. She was a beautiful friend, beautiful soul. I pray her body is at peace now and she's enjoying all the cats and kittens and kitties to her heart's contented desire. Miss you and love you, Manda. I have three ladies I'd like to highlight. Dr. Talithia T.T. Burks, who was out of treatment for two years before becoming metastatic. Delilah Holobao, who was diagnosed de novo. And Cindy Sagala, who was diagnosed one year after completing active treatment. All of these ladies were under 40 years old. Two had young children. Delilah had three young daughters, one who might not even remember her mom. They all live life on their own terms. They are the reason I'm involved in any way I can be in the NBC community. Everything I do honors their memory and the friendship we had.
1: Names and Remembrance read
11: by Dar Finkelstein. Patrice Shaw, Amanda Good, Alison Tischler, Jennifer De La Mara, Neil Matthews, Denise Stover, Heather St. Aubin Stout, submitted by Eileen Kaminsky. I'd like to remember my dear friend from London, Julia Barnacle, after indefatigably putting together two anthologies, both self publications What If Life Were Meant to Be Easy? and Another During COVID, which my essay is part of. She and I had plans of putting out a podcast of interviewing all the writers and having them read their essay. However, she died February 25th, 2021 after living with NBC for many years and was finally being told there was nothing more that could be done. And the clinical trial that might've saved her life was canceled because of COVID. The last message I got from her was how much she loved me but gave me no indication of how close to death she was. She sent it on the 20th of February. I miss her every day and not finding out about her death until June was painful. Mourning is an ongoing process and this will be someone whose life had an impact on so many in her quiet Julia way. She was an introvert, a writer, a polyglot, a complex woman with many friends who loved her. We never got to meet in person, but that's okay. There's people you don't have to know them, as well as some you think you know by having met them face to face. I'd hoped to see her. The pandemic stopped us from seeing through many plans as so many of us are still experiencing. Julia, I miss you. Submitted by Dara Finkelstein. I'd like to remember my high school classmate Neva Fleming who died from MBC on October 20, 2020. Upon learning of her diagnosis, I was hoping to talk with her and guide her through the early days of living with MBC. But unfortunately, she passed within three months of her diagnosis and we were never able to speak. Names and remembrances read by Dr.
1: Ellen Landsberger.
8: Spirit Jones. Stacy Wilkins Wilcox, Bethany Reeb Sutherland, Linda Grant Oha, Stephanie Sasser. Submitted by Linda Green. Two of my very dear friends lost their battle with NBC. Terry Schwab was a wonderful wife, mother, and dear friend. Gloria Schwab-Richardson, was a wife, mother, and an awesome educator. Both of these women were strong and gave life their all, truly missed.
1: Marjo Montney, Marty Benedetti, Sunny Cure, Dr. Deborah Cody, Sol Gonzalez, Lindsay Castleman Skinner, Denise Atkins Hatfield, Vicky McDonald, Heidi Larshid, Nicole Frarich. Remembrance submitted by Delta James for Tona Eagle. I met Tona via Instagram. I was newly diagnosed, afraid, and desperately seeking people thriving with my disease, triple negative NBC, to give me hope. Tona did just that. She was a proud Sioux woman, a beautiful mother and grandmother. She bravely faced every course of treatment. She found time to respond to my messages, even those late night ones that resulted from fear creeping in. Even as she was entering hospice, she thought of me and sent me a tea made lovingly that she swore had helped her manage her diagnosis, if not extended her life. When I found Tona, I was hoping to see someone live forever with this disease. Tona showed me that we do not have to live long. We just need to live well, live our best lives and share our love because that is what lives on when we are no longer here. Names and Remembrances, read by Danny Green.
12: Nicole Jason, Nicole Shorey, Dr. Anantha Sadhakar. Rebecca Munson, as submitted by Rod Ritchie. Gary Wong diagnosed in February 2019. Gary was just 55 when he passed in hospital in May this year, surrounded by the family he loved. Gary's cheery disposition and optimism infected those around him. He was determined to never give up, and he espoused a healthy diet and regular exercise, not just to give himself extra time, but for a better quality of life. To his siblings, his kids, and his partner, he gave love and attention. As he said, he wanted to bring all who he encountered happiness. Gary knew breast cancer is not just about men or women. Rather, it was more about beating cancer itself. He had just been appointed to the Board of Advisors for Project Life MBC, a survivor initiative based in San Francisco, for those with metastatic breast cancer. He was a diligent advocate for all guys with breast cancer. Gary doubled his prognosis estimate, and we're all so much richer for the extra time we had with him.
0: Here is Dr. Andrew Silver again with the last poem that Anya Krakowi Silver wrote before she died.
5: The last poem that she wrote is called Home Repairs, and she wrote that maybe three days before she died. Wow. And uh, it talks about a house that's falling apart that you love anyway. And- I just think of those two, when I saw that poem as the last one in in her, she placed that as the last poem in her manuscript. It's not in the act, it's not actually in this manuscript, but uh, I just thought that that was some kind of strange act of mercy and grace that she, that she wrote this poem that's tender and forgiving of the world and so appreciative of even the messiest and most broken down of houses.
0: Here is Abigail Johnson reading Anya Krukovi's silver Home Repairs from her last book of poetry, St. Ignostica from LSU Press. Home Repairs. Our house is rotting around us. The carpenter
6: pokes his finger in the porch eaves and a whole piece of fascia board swings down like a disturbed bat. He chuckles as he rambles around the house, noting the broken window into which a boy crashed his tricycle decades ago, the clogged gutters in which a miniature pine has rooted herself into rich brown mulch. The pecan branches bend towards the roof, a dancer who longs to collapse into his partner. The bill comes to $8,000. The last of our small inheritance scuttles through the porch fissures. You know, some neighbors would call the police on a house like this, he adds but there's so much he hasn't calculated. How vines growing over the side of the house shadow the study so we can read in the morning. How much I love the fat purple crepe myrtle blossoms knocking against the bathroom window. And the way one loose board rattles in wind as though there were a mouse scratching at the sill. And there had been mice, a family, in our sofa. For over a hundred years, these rooms have held in, kept out, muffled arguments darkened for lovemaking our house is not an iced cake but a cobbler buckle crisp dump cake slump a mess of peach slices strawberries blueberries however much brown sugar and cinnamon are left in the cabin cabinets spoonfuls of butter never mind what it looks like i might say handing a warm bowl to a guest but first let me put on a scoop of vanilla ice cream for flavor
0: With 116 people dying every day in the United States from NBC, we clearly didn't even scratch the surface today. Every day, another one of us dies of this disease. People like Joy Jenret, who died this month and whose name Joy was just so very perfect. People like Michael Kovarek, who, while living with NBC, became an energetic advocate for men diagnosed with breast cancer and for everyone living with this. He was a board member and past president of Metavivor and was on several boards and initiatives. His advocacy and leadership was extraordinary, and his friends always speak of how gentle and kind he was. Each and every one of these individuals is remembered and loved. This podcast is produced by me, Lisa Laudico. Our We Remember episode is pulled together by the entire RMBC Life podcast team and our beloved listeners. To edit this podcast, I was helped with my fellow senior co-host, Natalia Green, expert sound design by Connor Kinsley. Original music from Jim Cremins and Samantha Silverstein. Our executive producer is Christine Benjamin, Senior Director of Patient Services and Education at Share Cancer Support. You can find more episodes of RNBC Life wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our news blast, rate and review us, and look for a new episode every Monday. Check out our blog and full episode notes on our website at rmbclife.org. We'd love to hear from you.